Welcome to the Underrepresented in Tech podcast, hosted by Michelle Frechette and Ali Nimmons. Underrepresented in Tech is a free database built with the goal of helping people find new opportunities in WordPress and tech overall. Hi, Ali. Hi, Michelle. Whenever I press record, I just I just sit here and I wait for you to say it. <laughs> I know, it's kind of our thing now. Yeah, I love it. I even say it to you when we're not recording. I'm like, hi, Ali. <laughs> hi, Michelle. <laughs> just, uh, and, uh, you know, every, every week we sit here for like 10 or 15 minutes and we, you know, chat and catch up and kind of talk about what we want to talk about today. But like, it's, it's put such a huge smile when you say that it's just like, we're here, you know, like it really feels like we're starting now and it, I don't know, it feels really great. Absolutely. I, I feel completely the same way. Absolutely. So, oh, so we have so many things that we could have talked about today. Yeah. A lot has been happening in WordPress in the past week or two. There's been a lot of stuff WP and drama. news and yeah, <laughs> w, basically. Yeah. <laughs> And I'm not usually the person, you know, stirring up the WP drama, but I have had a little bit of a spoon in my hand, shall we say, over the last week. So yeah, (laughs) I'm part of it. Well, but what what I wanted to ask you about this week, and we can like, y'all know we go off on tangents and we branch off into other things, but Mm -hmm. I wanted to start with the amazing talk that you gave. I mean, I I didn't get to hear the talk. I looked at your slides and I was like, obviously Mm -hmm. this was an amazing talk. Um, the talk that you gave at WordCamp Montclair, uh, mm-hmm. very recently, which was your first, not counting state of the word, that was your first in-person first WordCamp, WordPress yeah. event. Wow. It, oh, it felt good. I'm jealous. It felt good. I, I will say it was good. I probably went outside like four times during that day just to be able to take my mask off and take a deep breath. Yeah. Um, because, you know, being masked all day is, it does feel claustrophobic so it causes yeah. me to feel claustrophobic so like I'll go into the bathroom I'll take it off in the bathroom stall I'll go outside and take it off and just breathe outside for a few minutes yeah. but you do get used to it and it's not not as terrible as I thought it would be uh you know working at home you don't wear masks so yeah. and it's in, and on the airplane you can or you can't that kind of thing but the event itself like major major kudos to the organizing team they had thought of everything like all of the food there was no like you know, put your hands in and grab salad with tongs or anything. Everything was prepackaged. Um, breakfast was in a box. Lunch was in a box. All of that was was phenomenal. Um, you know, masks were required to be worn everywhere. There was hand sanitizer everywhere. Uh, you couldn't have asked for a better opportunity to feel safe yeah. um, as far as COVID and spreading germs goes. Now, I do have laryngitis. And before anybody says, oh, she caught COVID at WordCamp, I didn't actually. I mm-hmm. talked over crowds. And if you know me and you know me at WordCamp, I talk a lot. And to be heard over music, oh my gosh, the music was so loud at the speaker sponsored dinner. I talked so loud and I talked so much that I actually came with, with uh, laryngitis. And I did test uh, yesterday just to be sure, mm-hmm. you know, four days after the event and there is no COVID in my system. So I just wanted to put that out there. <laughs> uh, it was a safe event. I did not catch COVID. I have not heard that anybody did. I'm glad. Uh, I just kind of put that out there. But yeah, the, the they were phenomenal. The signage was perfect. The instructions on their site was perfect. The lineup of speakers, the sponsors that were there, everything was just super, super impressive. And one of the lead organizers DM'd me, um, I think Monday, said, hey, thank you so much for coming to WordCamp Montclair. 
is there any feedback, you know, we're going to send a survey, whatever, but is there any feedback specifically that you can give us to make sure that this is a more inclusive event, um, especially because, you know, if you don't know, I use a mobility device at things like this. So I have my little scooter, which I likes to run into tables and whatever, but I, <laughs> I have my scooter that I use to Called navigate. <laughs> <laughs> and when you, when you're navigating with a mobility device, uh, it comes with its own set of challenges. And so they wanted to make sure that everything was as good as it could possibly be. So I was able to give them a little bit of feedback, but mostly, um, 99.9% great stuff. Just the building that we use though, they don't own the buildings. So that's not their building, but the building that was used, um, you know, the stage was accessible with my scooter. I could go backstage and get right on the stage. Um, I could get in and out of the bathrooms. Nothing. There were no stairs in and out of the building, but none of the doors had motorized doors. So I had to ask people to open doors all day, every day, including to go to the ladies' room. So, um, you know, just if you are building a building, if you can retrofit <laughs> a building, I'm just going to say, if there's a way to wave your hand in front of, you know, a sensor for a ladies' room door, if there's a button you can push. Um, it's embarrassing when you don't know people. I don't get embarrassed easily. So I'm speaking for others when I say that, but it can be very embarrassing if you have to ask people you don't know to open the door to the ladies room because everybody knows why you're going into a ladies room it's not like you're gonna go get a drink you're going to pee so it's like it's just it can be one of those sticky spots for people so that really was my only feedback um that and tone the music down at the speaker sponsored dinner yeah Yeah, I was yeah, so but jealous. It was awesome. I, I heard it was really great. Like a couple of other friends in addition to you were were there and um I was super, super jealous. So I'm glad, like, yeah, kudos to the team. I'm glad that it went really well. And I'm glad we haven't been hearing that a ton of people got COVID. And I mean, even if that was the case, it sounds like they did everything that they could do to make it, you know, Agreed. safe. At that, uh, at that point, yeah, at that point, it's like you touch something in an airport or, you know, if you're traveling, yeah. you're taking that those chances. For yeah, sure. if you're staying in a hotel, like there's there's going to be factors outside of what the organizing team can do at all times, right? Like absolutely every, every Uber or Lyft you get in and out of, for example, yeah. has people touching door handles and whatever. So but I was curious about the talk that you gave. You talked about accessibility, um, but you kind of try to reframe it, right? Like, I feel like we walk through life with all of these preconceived notions and ideas about what words mean. Um, And I think a lot of people, particularly in tech, when they think about accessibility, they think of like accessibility overlays and color contrast and screen readers and things like that, like the technical Mm -hmm. side of things that are really focused on like visuals, like people who um, might not have the best vision or have no vision or low vision or all those, those things. Um, and you reframed accessibility in some different ways, um, which I think is really interesting. So for people who didn't get to actually be at your talk and listen to it and, and all of that good stuff, can you talk a little bit about what you talked about in that talk? Yeah. I just yeah, said talk so- a lot. <laughs> <laughs> my talk when I talked in my talk about things that I was talking about um, <laughs> so the talk starts out by saying yes absolutely the things that we do to make our websites accessible are absolutely important so it was not to downplay any of that it's to it's to complement and and add to that right so um, absolutely go out make your sites as accessible as possible this is not a site a, a talk against that but what this talk was about is how do we make more than just our websites accessible? How do we make our communities accessible? How do we make events accessible? How do we make, um, you know, everything that we do, whether we're putting on an event, we're looking for organizers, we're looking for speakers, um, no matter what we're doing, how can we make those things 
more open and more inclusive. So when I'm using the term accessible to that, I mean, how do we actually not just say it's an inclusive event, but make it an inclusive event? Right. And so um, I started talking about, I can't remember now my notes in front of me, but, uh, you know, I talk about how do we make an event more inclusive? So if you have, if you, let's say you're putting on your, your a WordCamp or you're putting on an in-person meetup, um, I'm going to stick to in-person for right now for this, for the sake of this conversation, but um, yes, it still is about, you know, disability accessibility. So if I get to your place and there's stairs there, well, now I've got to figure out even if I, if so like I, I can leave the scooter in the car and I can use a cane, but am I going to be walking so far that I, I literally can't do it? Yeah. Can I go up a couple stairs? And maybe I can, but maybe somebody else can't use their legs at all and yeah. can't access it. So are you, are you, are there curb cuts? You know, I talked about WordCamp US in Nashville and for people who are able-bodied, it's still, they were like, wow, this is a long walk. Well, for somebody walking with a cane, because at the time that's what I was using um, with, you know, who's running out of breath and whose legs and back are about to collapse. It was probably a quarter mile walk from wow. where, from where the, um, the, I can't think of words now that where the, the vendor room was the, the hallway track was yeah. to where lunch was served. Right. And I, so by the time I got to lunch, cause you had to go all the way, basically one city block and then halfway down the other one. Cause the event space take, took up an entire city block in Nashville. And so you're talking about a quarter of a mile there at least. And by the time I got there, I was already stressing about having to walk back. So yeah, I could eat, but now my knees are already hurting. My back's already hurting. Is that really accessible? It's all indoors. There are no steps. But no, it's not really accessible for people who have mobility issues. Now, if I was in a wheelchair or if I was using my scooter, no problem at all, right? Because I'm sitting down and I can get there. But there are walker users. There are cane users. There are people who may, may not even be using an assistive device, but still have difficulty doing um, walking distances. At the next in-person WordCamp, which was in St. Louis, I said, in Nashville, it was very, it was difficult, if not next to impossible, to get from one space to the next because everything was so spread out through that building. In St. Louis, is everything near to itself so that if somebody's using a cane or a walker, they can get, you know, easily from one place to the next. And I was assured that it was, but it wasn't because the people who reviewed those are able bodied walkers. People who, you know, go for walks for fun, <laughs> you know, those kinds of things. And to them, it didn't seem that far. But to somebody who has to use a cane or who can't walk long distances, it was still. And luckily, I had a, I had a scooter for work camp at U.S. that year. But if I hadn't, I would have been hurting and I would not have been able to participate to the extent that I did. And so think about those things as far as just physical accessibility. But then I moved on to talk about how do we make the table, we talk all, We talk about the, you know, the figurative table, right? Like make room at the table, like slide over, make room at the table. And so how do you make your work, make your event, make your podcast or your blog, how do you make that more inclusive? And talking about ways to make sure that there are a variety of voices at that table and why it's important to do that. And so I use the example, and um, you're so young, Allie, but I wasn't old enough to have known this either, but we've all seen these ads of like an ad from the 50s of a woman in the pointy bra, the, the high heels and the pearls with a huge smile on her face as she vacuums the rug with her Hoover vacuum. <laughs> 
And let's be honest, those ads were not aimed at women, right? Because no woman says, oh yeah, that looks how I want to clean my house. Yeah. That's what I want for my birthday. Please don't give me the pearls. Give me the Hoover, right? <laughs> and how like that was during the the like the mad men type um, era when men were making all of these decisions about what advertising looks like. And that if you have women, if you have once women started to join those, you know, advertising boards and things like that, it changed. And now it's about how quick, how much help does having a vacuum cleaner in my house make? How much quick, more quickly can I pick up the cereal that the kids spilled mm-hmm. or the cat hair that's on the, or the dog hair, whatever, because it's about ease and making my life easier. Not like, oh, look how sexy I look. <laughs> my Uber and so when you invite people to be part of decision-making in your organization, you get more sales because more people from different you know, with different experiences, different parts of life, whether it's an older woman, a younger man, um, somebody, you know, from different ethnic backgrounds, somebody from different country, you get those inputs about how they use your product. Um, You know, we, we talked before about, you know, that, that, um, that the Adoram had in their, their, you know, super admin, he shall have, or he will be da 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 Mm -hmm. and how somebody said oh can we change that and they did they were responsive right away Mm -hmm. um because you know for them it was a language issue too right so it's like just looking at language and as soon as somebody said can you fix it they did um it's being able to ask those questions before somebody has to ask you to fix it it's being able to have people at the table who say oh we might want to rethink the way we do that Mm -hmm. and so um inviting people within your company and through recruiting and hiring who are more inclusive to be able to make your product better. You will see sales in, increase when you know that things are accessible to more people, mm-hmm. um, you know, any your events. And it's, is it enough to just have, um, you know, to have people who are speakers that are, un, you know, underrepresented? No, of course not. You want people on the team that are underrepresented. You want the organi- organizers. If I had been part of, you know, the group that had reviewed the space, I would have said, these rooms are way too spaced out. There's no way somebody who's using a cane can, ac- can access these all quickly without feeling overburdened. Right. And so having somebody in that space to be able to do those things and to be able to represent more than just the cis white male who usually sits in the decision-making seats is super important. Um, I ended the talk by saying, I got a huge surprise for you all. The table isn't real. (laughs) It's not limited. Like when I was growing up, I had, my dad was one of 11 kids. And when we all got together, like all those families got together for Thanksgiving, we were trying to figure out who could sit at the big, big kids table, who could sit at the grownups table, who got to, you know, like we, and there wasn't room, like you could not fit one more chair at that Thanksgiving table, Mm -hmm. but our boardroom tables, you know, this is figurative. Like we can include the people that need to be included Mm -hmm. without pushing anybody else out. There is room at an imaginary table because you can just make it bigger. Yeah, exactly. All of that makes so much sense. And I'm glad that I'm glad that you gave that talk and people were able to hear all of that. Cause it's, it's so important. I mean, we say this stuff all the time. This is not the first time that you've said any of these things, right. But like just talking about it consistently and reminding people consistently of these ideas is how we, you know, create change. And I think that that is happening right now on like a, 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 I was going to say global scale, but like on a, on a much larger scale, right? Like people are being becoming more and more aware of the fact that 
you have to include other people. You have to include others' perspectives. Um, Cause you really, especially when it comes to, you know, like you said, like sales and marketing and things like that, you can really put your foot in it when you're not, when you don't have those perspectives. Like how many times have I seen, you know, a brand tweet about something and it's just like, wow, you used that slang word that means, you know, X, Y, Z. If you had had a younger person on the team or if you had had a gay person on the team, they would have told you that that slang word is or that word that you thought meant one thing, you know, means something totally different. And maybe you shouldn't have used that. I mean, just recently, you know, we're going through this really awful abortion conversation in this country right now. And the other day. I'm not going to name the brand, but, you know, they you could tell it was a scheduled tweet and it, it had it made a, a joke having to do with giving birth, basically. Mm-hmm. Any other day would have been a totally harmless joke, but it's like. Nine out of 10 women, if they had looked at that tweet before it went out, they would have said, yeah, we're not we can't post that today. We can't post that right now. Right. right yeah. So it's, it's like deaf. exactly super tone deaf. And that people get very, um, people are very responsive to that sort of stuff. Like we're, we're becoming less and less willing to just be like, oh, well, you know, it was an accident. Like people take it very seriously because they, yeah. we, we, we are looking for authenticity from our brands. We are looking to understand who is, who are the people behind this, you know, account. And so when it's obvious who the people are, people get very upset. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, you do. Absolutely. And, and that's why, you know, when we have people review the things that we're putting out. So if I have somebody review all the social media I'm putting out for different companies or read over a post that's going to be published on, you know, whether it's post status or, you know, one of the stellar brands or whatever, um, we're not just reading for typographical errors. Mm-hmm. We're also reading for content and we're also reading for intent. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's very obvious that when somebody's written something, it wasn't actually their intent uh, because like you said, they're misusing a word or something. And that's where we can help one another out mm-hmm. is absolutely reading things over. You and I have talked before about that application. You know, we, well, one of the things that you and I do is we evaluate for people. They can hire us to look at their recruiting Um, And one of the applications that I had looked at prior to us even having underrepresented in tech, you know, use three words. And I talked about this in in my talk too, is it gave the job description. It was all about recruiting for this job description, but then it used the phrase, if you think this might be a good fit for you, apply below. Hmm. And I said, why are you starting to put doubt in people's mind? Now a cis white male doesn't for the most part. And yes, I understand that not, I'm not speaking of every man because it's not all men. Right. But, but, but mostly women, um, and I can't speak to ethnic minorities, so you would have to chime in on that. But if I know women, especially in my age group, if you say, if you think, if you think, if you might, those are three words that start to put down in my head. And so maybe I'm not a good fit for this position. And now maybe you have actually just taken somebody out of running for this role or applying for this role who could have been phenomenal and also increased your diversity by having women on your team. So think about those kinds of things. Have somebody else read it over because what might seem innocuous to you isn't yeah. or might not be. And it's it's so important to allow yourself. Like, I feel like there are a lot of people who 
are afraid of hearing that they, you know, might've said something or written something insensitive, right? Like mm-hmm. you, you have people who are like, well, I'm not a racist or I'm not a sexist. And so I'm sure that this is fine, right? Because I'm not X, Y, Z. And we don't appreciate how many unconscious biases we have. Like I was just telling you a story um, about an unconscious bias that I had through, through a learned family thing. And it, as a result, the other day, I, I posted something on Twitter and I used the word handicapped because I thought that that was an okay word to use and it wasn't. And a friend of mine um, was like, really? And linked me to an article and I was like, well, I don't get it. And I looked at the article and it it literally had a whole line that said handicapped is no longer, you know, an acceptable descriptor. It's it's mm-hmm. condescending. It's demeaning. Um, here are alternate words to use. And I was like, oh my God, thank you so much for telling me that, right? Like I was so, I'm still embarrassed that I used that word and that I might've hurt that person's feelings. Um, And I was a little angry with myself that I do stuff like this, right? Like this podcast and, you know, I, I work in DEI stuff and I didn't know that I was super upset, but it's not about me. It's about the people that I'm talking about sometimes representing and like, I just need to not use that word anymore. That's, Mm -hmm. that's the short and small of it. And like, I'm so grateful to the people that I do have in my life, like you who are willing to share their experiences and let me know when it's like, Hey, that's not uh, the best way to do that. Here's a, here's a better way, right? We don't Mm -hmm. like that word anymore. Here's a better way. Right. right. I, I can never be offended by that because mm-hmm. everyone makes mistakes. That's you, you don't learn if you don't make mistakes. Right. right. Um, exactly. And what really sucks is when people I'm not going to go too far into this because this is this is a topic I want to say for another time. But w- what really upsets me is when people get nasty. Right. Like if somebody had replied to my tweet where I use the word handicapped and was like, you B word, how dare you say that? Like, you're being so offended. Like, if I just got completely tore apart, that, like, it would have absolutely broken my heart. And it would have taken me so long to come back from that. And I would have been scared to ever post anything like that ever, ever again, for fear of making a mistake and making people angry, right? Mm -hmm. And that's not the goal. The goal is not to prevent people from speaking on these issues, right? It's the exact opposite. We want people to tweet out questions and we want people to post job postings that describe the types of people that they want. Mm -hmm. We just want them to do it in an appropriate and informed manner. And so like when, when people, particularly underrepresented people jump down the throats of others for not doing things perfectly, it's really self-defeating, I think. Um, and I mean, obviously there are exceptions. If a person is intentionally being a jerk and intentionally using wrong words. And I mean, you just wrote a whole post about those kinds of instances where people really double down on, you know, not using the right language and so on. Yeah, those people deserve to be yelled at. But if it's an individual who has made a mistake, um, they deserve to be helped. And I mean, that's, a lot of what we do with our services, right, is identifying that, yes, you've probably made a few mistakes in this copy. We're not here to yell at you about it. We're here to give you a stronger option so that you can do better. 
Absolutely. Um, and, and we always say it's about intent, right? So we, you can make mistakes, honest mistakes, learn from them and move forward and be a better person. Mm-hmm. It's not about if you're using words as a slur on purpose, that intent is entirely different. Yeah. That's a really good point too. Like I recently asked a friend of mine who is deaf. Um, Cause I was, I was talking to him about an accessibility topic and I asked, you know, can you remind me, do you prefer to be referred to as um, hard of hearing deaf with a lowercase D deaf with an uppercase D? Like I know that there are different terms and different people like different things. And so he was like, you know, deaf with a lowercase D is fine with me, um, mm-hmm. which is, that was appropriate. Right. On the other hand, you have people, because my intent was for this topic that we were discussing to represent him in the way that he wants to be represented. Right. And then you have people who will go up to a trans person and start asking them questions about their transition or, you know, their asking them what their dead name was or whatever. And it's like, what is your intent right now? Your intent is to be nosy, right? Like mm-hmm. it's not like <laughs> it is okay to ask those kinds of questions. Like I asked to my friend when you have the appropriate intent. Um, and also he and I are friends. Like we have a rapport with each other. Um, it just, it really baffles me when people just, yeah, when their intent is just to be nosy. And so they start asking all of these questions. Everybody like, gets curious, right? Yeah. Everybody's curious about things. It doesn't mean you have to have your curiosity fulfilled. Yeah. Like you can stay curious about that. It's none of your freaking business. Absolutely. Every time I meet a trans person, I am super curious. I'm always curious about like, I wonder, like, wh- I wonder where you are in your transition. I, I wonder what you were like before you transition. Mm-hmm. I get super curious because it's an experience that I have not and will never go through personally. Um, and as a diversity advocate, I feel kind of this desire to learn about other people's experiences so that I can be a better ally and, and be less ignorant. Mm-hmm. That being said, I've never asked any of those questions. If they offer that information to me, great. But I will never ask any of those questions because it's like, my curiosity is my problem at that point, right? Like it has nothing to do with the other person. It's and they not have no on, obligation to, to no to obligation. Your curiosity, yeah. not at all. I mean, the closest I've ever done, there are like trans actors that I've googled. Like, what did they like? Laverne Cox. I remember googling like, what did she look like before she transitioned? Because I was curious, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely not on the other person to. Yeah. And I mean, that goes for so many things, right? Mm -hmm. Like that goes for um, like, so our friend Taylor, who works for, um, I guess technically now she works for. She's still like MWP. (laughs) I wasn't sure if I was supposed to say Liquid Web or not, but she works at MWP. She is what, 30, almost 30. She's 31. 31. And she uses a cane. And she's Mm -hmm. told me before that people have like asked her, like, if you're so young, why are you using a cane? You don't need that. And Mm -hmm. it's like, mind your business, right? Mind your absolute business. Absolutely. I've, I've had people ask me all sorts of questions, right? Like, what are you? And 
you know, all of these things. And it's just like, honestly, freaking please mind your business. It doesn't, it doesn't asking questions like that does not contrary to popular belief won't help you be a better ally. You're, you're a good ally when you've just decided I'm going to be a good ally. I will accept people people as they present themselves to me and honor them for who they are. Yeah. I don't, without needing their whole life story. Exactly. And, and, you know, some like there, let's talk about black people in America for a second. Some people prefer to be called black people. Mm -hmm. Some prefer to be Brown and some prefer Mm African-American. None of those are wrong terms, but some of them are more or less right or wrong, depending on the individual. The same thing is true for people who are deaf or partially deaf. There's a TikToker who's got several million followers. She calls herself hearing impaired and she gets destroyed in the comments every time she says something about being hearing impaired because they you know deaf people and other people who are part of the deaf community say the right term is hard of hearing and she say i'm self-identifying i can call myself whatever i want yeah right and so i've heard that same argument with um autism yeah. Um, I remember, I think we talked about this a while ago on the podcast. There was a debate that I encountered that I didn't even know existed between the difference between saying I am autistic or I am a person with autism. Right. And I remember seeing a, a, a Twitter thread where two people were on both sides of that fence and they were saying, you know, the same thing, like I self-identify or, you know, I think one of them, their son was autistic or had autism. And they said like, this is what I've taught my son because of these reasons. And like, I never knew that there was even an option between the two. Right. And it did kind of make me a little terrified of like, Oh gosh, like, what if I, what if I call someone refer to someone as autistic and they don't identify that way. And it just kind of circles back to the idea that for me to be a good ally to that person, I just have to do my best and accept the correction, you know, when it comes and hope that they will correct me in a way that's not absolutely devastating to my, to my like self-esteem and all of that stuff. Um, But yeah, I mean, and and I think what I'd like to kind of leave us off with is like, we're never here to say like, all of this stuff is just so easy and you should be able to get it immediately and not have a problem, right? Like some of it is hard and some of it is a little nerve wracking when you like don't know the right word to use and, um, when, you know, we're identifying that there's so many facets of accessibility. It's true. It is a big thing, but it is un- unbelievably worth the effort to understand. Um, Absolutely. And I think once you get over that hump, it becomes mm-hmm. easier to understand because you're willing to be open and do it. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's what it's all about, right? So that's what inclusion is about. That's what acceptance is about. And that's absolutely what allyship is about. Yeah. For sure, for sure. Very cool. All right. Uh-huh. Very cool. Well, we get deep. We always get deep. <laughs> but we love it, right? It's because we love our community and we love people. And we really just, we want to make the place better. We want to make our community better. So absolutely. All right, Michelle. It's been a pleasure as always. As always, absolutely. <laughs> and we will see all of you next week for another episode. Absolutely. Until then, take care. Bye. This episode was sponsored by the following companies. WP Wallet. 
WP Wallet is a free, simple, intelligent tool that helps WordPress professionals effortlessly manage all of their license keys and invoices for all sites and clients. Never forget a renewal, lose a license key, or miss out on a reimbursement again. Join WP Wallet for free today. LearnDash. LearnDash is taking cutting edge e-learning methodology and infusing it into WordPress. More than just a plugin, LearnDash is trusted to power the learning programs for major universities, small to mid-sized companies, startups, entrepreneurs, and bloggers worldwide. If you're interested in sponsoring an episode, using our database, or just want to say hi, go to underrepresentedintech.com. See you next week.